If you have kids right now, I need you to talk to your children about fentanyl, pills, drugs, everything. Because right now the DEA is finding fentanyl in vape vape pens. It's crazy. That's insane. R-O-T-N, let me present to you the Rotten Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alrighty, back for another episode, <laughs> Rotten, number 19. What is freaking up, you guys? Classic. Wow. This is the most consistent I've ever been on anything. <laughs> this is so unlike me, guys. I've never had a consistent scheduling upload, and I am impressed. Yeah. I have so much admiration for the podcasters who've been doing it mm-hmm. in, you know, when they have 600 episodes, 300 episodes. I think Joe Rogan is like well over a thousand, couple thousand, which is insane. Thousand? Yeah. How long has he been doing it for? He's been doing it for so long. Really? I can look up how many he actually has. He just did one that was number 1954. <laughs> and mind like, you, he it's like three hours. Like most does he of his do it episodes, every single day? He does like three to four a week. Jeez. At least like two to three a week for sure. And he's been doing it for so many years. I mean, I don't even know, but that's why it's mm-hmm. become so popular because he's been doing it for so long. I mean, that's probably why he got paid the big bucks with Spotify. Yeah. I mean, he's the number one podcast in the world. Do you remember how much he made from Spotify? That's a good question. How much did Spotify pay Joe Rogan? $200 million. Holy crap. That is a lot of money. I don't know if you knew, but Dave Portnoy sold Barstool. Do you know how much he sold it for? No. 
after the acquisition, because it was a long process to get fully acquired, it was over $650 million. That's crazy. I mean, podcast is becoming a huge thing. It's also so saturated now. I feel like three, year, three years ago, not a lot of people were listening to podcasts. And now when I talk to anyone, everyone has like a favorite podcast they listen to nowadays. Yeah. I think the pandemic really put a huge fire yeah. on that because everyone's sitting around at home. Do you know who um, Barstool sold to? Like who owns Barstool now? Penn. Who's Penn? I have no idea. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> They're just called Penn. Yeah, it's like Penn and there was another one who was interested in buying them. I think they're a sports gambling. Yeah. Oh, so I'm pretty sure they're a sports gambling platform because he was talking about how he had talks with DraftKings okay, as well. Okay, Penn Entertainment. Okay. So good for him. Yeah. Good for I, him. He's a, I, I love Dave Portnoy. He's hilarious. I mean, I don't look at him the same after seeing his sex, sex tape. tape. It was so, so bad. If a guy was fucking me that way, I would literally just be so unhappy. Yeah. I don't know. But that's yeah. just me. Yeah, that was like, It was wow, pretty bad. It was so shocking. And was, I'm pretty sure he's the one that leaked it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. He's I don't the one that When he it. talks about it, he, he did not want that out there from his perspective. I mean, I take him as a pretty like honest guy. Um, he was very, very sympathetic. Like he felt so bad for her. So from what I heard, I mean, I have no way of knowing exactly what happened, but yeah. did you see the video that was shared this week? Tucker Carlson on Fox news shared a video of more surveillance footage from the January 6th Capitol. Did you no. see that video or no? Mm -hmm. It's been so controversial because it shows the main guy who Who's they the call guy? sort of like, he's like the poster boy of the Capitol riots. He goes okay. by like QAnon shaman i believe oh he's i've seen this guy he's got he, like he's the paint wearing like fur around yeah. his head or something and so he's kind of been one of the poster boys he got i think eight months in jail um and this video that was released is another angle of him kind of being what looks like escorted by police in a very safe and peaceful way and the video is just a couple different hallway angles where he's walking and the police are just casually following him. They even opened a door for him at one point to like go explore a room. Elon Musk commented on the video on Twitter and was like, there needs to be justice for this. There's been a stance from the right in Trump supporters using this almost as a, see, this was some big setup. And so it's been very interesting to see the different opinions that have come out. My first take when I saw it, because my friend showed it to me on Saturday night, talk about headline reading and he showed me the video. He's like, look at this. It's all a setup. And I go, what do you mean? I and mean, someone died during the January 6th riots. Yeah, there was a couple people for sure. So it's like, sure, it could start off peaceful, but then it didn't end that way. Mm -hmm. And either way, they weren't supposed to be there. Yeah. Well, Even with, if the cops were being nice to them. Well, right. They, they probably didn't realize the magnitude of it. And then when it escalated... That's a different story. The people who prosecuted came out and made a statement to be like, that is only like a four minute segment from the entire time he was in there. We have footage of him being one of the first people to break through, screaming violent things. That was just one clip taken out of context. Also, it could have been once he got caught, they were escorting him. And of course, he's not going to be crazy. Of course, they're going to open the door for him. Well, yeah, it's not even... well. Everyone in there, it's not like they were caught. It's just all of a sudden, okay, all these people break in. 
and you're a police officer, a security guard, what are you going to do if you try to get these people out and they're not going out and they're obviously on some crazy mission? If I'm a police officer in that situation, I'm going to do what I can. But at a certain point, if there's nothing I could do, I'm just going to try to protect myself, protect my other officers, make sure no one is getting hurt while clearly something bigger needs to happen to make this situation end. And so for these police officers, I saw this and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I would do. I'd be like, hey, I don't want to start any problems. Clearly, I can't take all of these people out. So let me just make sure that everything's safe. Or I would be like, if I can't overthrow this entire group, I'm going to do my best to try to make sure that it's peaceful while hopefully there's outside forces that come in to end this protest, this riot from happening. I mean, the entire January 6th riots was absolutely insane. It was the first time that has ever happened in U.S. history. Um, And it was incited by an orange fat man. So (laughs) I like other. It's funny because now he's going and he's blaming it on Pence. His freaking vice president. He's like, actually, Mike Pence is to blame. What? Yeah. I did not know this. Yeah. He cannot. He is one person that cannot take the blame for anything. Trump? Yes. Oh, no. Absolutely not. He has no, like, moral compass, I feel like, as well on top of that. He just, like, does whatever that benefits him and his agenda and his pockets. That's America. That is America. That literally He's is the America. Boy of America. Speaking of America going down the shits financially, have you heard of Silicon Valley Bank and what I did. is going on? The second largest bank failure just happened a few days ago. And it is absolutely insane because this has not happened since 2008 after the housing financial crisis. So it almost feels like we are at a tipping point. In our economy where we are probably entering a recession and we've talked about it. The U.S. government has talked about it. But this is like the scariest thing that has happened. Does it feel like everything we've been talking about, like all these issues, they keep coming back, but like stronger and worse? What do you mean by that? For example, we were talking about FTX, which is terrible, right? But that it's so bad at the level at which it happened. But again, that's an offshore cryptocurrency exchange. This is a bank so, well, yeah, FTX was only for people who were into crypto. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this situation with Silicon Valley Bank, it is still heavily for like tech investors, VC funds, and crypto people are the only ones affected. Um, because Silicon Valley Bank, if you guys aren't aware, they cater towards startups. And so why why this only affected really people who were in the tech industry and crypto users was because what Silicon Valley Bank did, which made it so attractive to tech startups and to other crypto um, exchanges, was the fact that Silicon Valley Bank allowed you to transfer money in real time to other Silicon Valley Bank users mm. Versus typical banks, they don't allow you to do that. It takes two to three business days. And with the crypto world, cryptocurrency transfers and is opened 24-7. So there was like a gap in the industry where there was not a bank that was able to transfer in real time. And so Silicon Valley Bank did that and it became attractive. And so a lot of tech startups and other crypto startups just went towards them. The thing that made this entire situation crazy is the fact that 
90% of the users at Silicon Valley Bank had more than $250,000 in the bank. And if oh, you, that's right. Yeah, I was listening to something about this because there were businesses. They weren't just people. No, yeah, which is crazy because I believe the rate of a normal bank, 70% of users have less than $250,000 in their bank account, which makes sense. Having 250K in your bank is a lot of money, but this bank catered towards startups and startups need money especially tech startups. And so the FDIC only insures up to $250,000 per account per person. And so in this scenario, if you had millions in the bank, you're only insured up to $250,000. And so a lot of these companies lost all their money. So they, how did it, what happened exactly? Like how did it start? Yeah, what, what was the start of the fall of this bank? So Silicon Valley Bank, fucked up because what they did was they were sitting on a lot of cash. And so in 2020, 2021, when interest rates were really low to secure their money um, and to make a little bit of money off of it, because you don't want your money to sit in the bank. Inflation will decrease the amount that it actually equates to. So what banks typically do when you have money in your savings account or checkings account, they don't just keep all that money in cash, they ended up buying a lot of U.S. government bonds. At the time, the interest rates um, in the U.S. in 2020, 2021 was like 1% or 2%. So their bonds were at 2%, right? But those, Over the course of how long? Like a year? Or is um, it usually some, longer? It Some is one year. You can have, there's multiple years. Um, you can do 30-year bonds, one-year bonds, um, whatever it may be. And I actually don't know what their bonds looked like. But what I do know is that between 2021 and 2023 today, interest rates went from one or two percent to six to seven percent. It's currently sitting at like six per six and a half percent right now to get a 30 year mortgage. So when your bond is only two percent and it doesn't mature for 30 years, but you're currently low on cash, if you sell it, no one wants it. So who's gonna buy these two percent bonds? when they can easily go out in the market right now and buy five, 6% bonds, right? So they were literally sitting on bonds that were completely worthless and they were trying to do a smart thing, but they just had really bad timing. So what ended up happening was that a lot of these tech investors, these startups that were in Silicon Valley Bank noticed that Silicon Valley Bank, their assets were heavily in 2% bonds and they realized no one's gonna want that. No one wants it. So amongst one another, a lot of these VCs were like, hey, what's going on with Silicon Valley Bank? Do you have your money in Silicon Valley Bank? I think you should probably take your money out of Silicon Valley Bank because literally their bonds are pretty much worthless. Even though they're trying to do the smart thing, they ended up buying the worst thing possible at the worst time. Which makes sense. But wasn't the what actually started this, like you're saying, there was maybe some internal talk among venture capitalists. Wasn't there like a huge snowball effect where this was really preventable had certain VCs not pull out all their money yes. and not advise other people to do it. Yes. yes. And I was listening to something on group chat where they were talking about that and how this was so easily preventable. If you're getting this information, right, you have an obligation to inform the people's money that you're investing to make the best decision with it. And there's no downside or risk to pulling your money out. There's only real risk to keep your money in. So a lot of these people were like, Hey, we might as well take this money out because 
of these reasons. In today's age, you can take your money out like that in an instant because everything is digital. Before in the 1920s, when like the last bank run happened, that was like a major time. You had to physically wait in line and ask for all your money back. If you guys don't know what a bank run is, it's when so many people are asking to take their money out of a bank, but the bank doesn't have the assets to give it so to you. So they have to sell off their assets. And exactly. usually that's at a l unfavorable rate to them. So they're losing money off of the investment. And what oftentimes the investment is other people's money that they're taking to invest. So all of a sudden they're selling everything they've invested in, losing money on it. And that money is other people's money. And so eventually there's going to be a huge it's debt. It's a cycle. Yeah, it's a cycle. Um, if people are knowing that you're selling assets at a loss, that means you need money. And if you're a bank, you need money. But my money is in your bank. I'm taking out all my money if I think mm -hmm. you need money. Right. Of, if of I course. think you're on the brink of failure, I'm going to take my money out. Take that shit and out. And so a lot of these VC funds and investors got really smart being like, wait a second, their balance sheet is full of bonds that are pretty much worthless on the market right now if they didn't have enough money. I think this all started because Silicon Valley Bank sold $4 billion worth of bonds for $3 billion. So they lost a billion dollars. And that billion dollars was more profit than they made the previous year. Oh, wow. So that kind of started everything. People were like, wait a second, wait a second. They're selling bonds at a loss, which means they really need the money. But my money is in their bank. Let me just take this out. Let me be smart and take it out. And mm -hmm. it was very smart for everyone to take it out. But it caused a huge issue because then everyone started to take it out. And with the situation, no bank is going to have the exact amount of deposits in cash. They're going to invest it in mortgages. They're going to invest it in bonds, um, stocks, and other businesses, right? So even if their their balance sheet is balanced, saying that they have $10 billion in liabilities and they also have $10 billion in assets, they don't equate to one another. Cash is king, but they don't keep it all in cash. So this snowballed. Luckily, I know we're getting really into this. Luckily, the Congress actually met up. I don't know if you saw this and what they did. So this was becoming a snowball effect where SVB, was shutting down and then a New York bank was about to shut down as well. And so Congress convened over Zoom, literally <laughs> Zoom, which is crazy. They don't ever do that. They literally clicked a normal Zoom link and I'm hundreds sure it was of them, secure, it was but. definitely secure. <laughs> I mean, Zoom is secure, but hundreds of them just gathered on Zoom over Zoom and were like, what the fuck do we do? And what they gathered and ended up doing to stop this bank run because it was starting to spread like wildfire. Um, they have secured everyone's money at SVB. No executives are getting paid out. SVB themselves are going to become bankrupt. So they're not saving SVB. So in their opinion, it's not them saving a bank like they did. They're saving the people. They're saving the people As from the should. bank. But a lot of people are looking at this being like, wait a second, like this feels like you're saving a bank, which was a huge deal in 2008. I don't know if you remember, people were talking about like, why are we saving banks? Like they're not saving the actual bank. SVB is no longer, it's kaput, no longer in business, but everyone that had money in the bank, dollar for dollar, they will be saved, even if they had billions in the bank. Apparently ever since 2008, banks had to put money in this US government insurance pool, just in case this ever happened to a bank. So it's not actually taxpayers money that is repaying Roblox and all these like venture capitalists. It's like the bank's money that they had been using as insurance. So I think it ended up being not a good story, but it's nice to see that both sides of Congress 
came together and did this in days. That's it's, really good. Yeah. That's a good sign from the government. At least there's some. At least they're doing a something. Bit of a redemption because story you know there. what? They never agree on finances ever. We are in like the biggest debt ceiling ever right now. And they still have yet to come to a conclusion on where to stop spending money and where to spend money and how to s prevent the debt ceiling from raising because right now it is at an, an enormous amount. It's like when you hear how much debt there is, mm -hmm. it is so massive that it's even hard to comprehend where I feel like it just goes over everyone's head. Like at, at, the scale, at a scale that large of debt, when you hear shit like that, like trillion dollars, right? Or whatever it is. How does that even get resolved? You know, the constant thing I heard growing up was, you know, you're going to have to pay for this eventually. Like the future generations are going to have to pay off this debt. When does that start happening? And how does that actually start affecting us? Do you know? Well, it affects us because you know how in today's age we have Social Security and Medicare. We're paying into it to pay for our parents' generation. Technically, mm. we're supposed to be paying it for our generation, but they're spending so much money that they can't actually afford to pay. So Social the government Security's is taking benefits. that stuff, using it, and they're like, all right, yeah, we're just going to, you you know what? We'll have the younger generation fill in the it. gap here. But the issue becomes a thing when our birth replacement rate fucking- I was just going to say that, yeah. Literally goes to shit. No one wants to have a kid anymore. And I believe the birth replacement rate needs to be at 2.1 so that the economy can sustain Medicare and Social Security. Oh, Lord. So the other thing to do- Solve if, this issue by having children. Yeah, if you can afford it. I don't want people that are in poverty to have children. Not saying that- I mean, my parents were in poverty when they had me, but I understood that struggle. And I mm -hmm. would hate to have my kid go through that struggle. So like, if you're, if you're in poverty, it makes sense that you don't want to have kids at the moment. But it's usually the smarter people who are having less and less kids, right? Well, isn't, the, isn't the rate of- childbirth higher in in impoverished areas yes because they're maybe not practicing safe sex they're not really thinking too much about the future which is typically you know when you have an uneducated society or region mm -hmm. you know they're not making the best decisions yeah and so really it's the smarter people and so that's when i'm saying like people need they to also have, don't kids. have access to health care as easily mm -hmm. so they they don't have access to abortion as easily if they didn't right. want kids. Um, but yeah, it is very true that the richer a society gets, the less children they have. Because the richer the richer a society gets, the more expensive childcare becomes. I remember when I was growing up, my church had a um, did a class where they were talking about respecting your parents. And a fun fact they gave us was that to Grow a child from zero to 18 cost a quarter million dollars. Jeez. That was when I was a kid. Imagine how much it is now to raise a child it's gotta be like from zero to 18. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Now, that's like the average. To give them a better lifestyle than you had as a child, it's even more than that. We were talking about this the other week. I mean, there is so many crises happening, it feels like, in society. And one of those things clearly is having children. Clearly, it's having families, getting married. The relationship and the dynamic between men and women is such in a weird, uncomfortable place. I believe it's because women are becoming breadwinners in a family dynamic now. 
It is. Women have become a lot smarter. <laughs> yeah. Now, for the first time ever, women from an educational and professional standpoint are at the equal playing field as men. You see women executives, you see women accomplishing incredible feats. And of course, it probably isn't even 50-50 as far as women CEOs and things of that nature. But overall, in the professional, educated sense, Mm -hmm. women are now equal to men. And so they are less swooned by a man. And this is what people don't talk about. And it's funny because I feel even resistant sometimes talking to you about it, where I'm talking about like, this is the way men feel, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, men don't feel that. Or no, that's not true. Or just in general, the feeling of being a man is like, we're not going to talk about you because you you got enough. You know, there's so many other struggles. Men are totally fine. And I think that that is a big issue because there are so many issues with men. In, in, and I'm not saying it's women's fault. It's actually men's fault. In, in something that I've become more and more aware of and realizing that I want to spend more attention and time in is advocating for other men from an emotional standpoint, from maybe being a role model, like who am I, right? But I'm just saying I know what it feels like not to have a role model or someone I can look up to. And I think what's makes women's, what makes women so incredible is how they support each other and how they advocate for each other. And it is very instinctual from a feminine pers- from a feminine standpoint to nurture, to, to look out for one another. Where, where men evolutionarily have evolved, it's a dog-eat-dog. I'm getting mine, you get yours, we don't talk about it. Well, if you think about it in a wildlife standpoint, you see prides of animals together. And normally it's only one or two men in a pride but like 20 women because mm-hmm. men just see each other as competition for women. Absolutely. It, it, exactly. And so a lot it's of it very... is being like the manliest man, mm-hmm. which becomes so toxic that you don't, men don't feel comfortable talking about emotions, their financial instability, um, their insecurities, Absolutely. whatever it may be. They just don't feel comfortable even opening up to other men about it. Like I've had conversations with you where you tell me that me and my girlfriends are really emotional and we talk about our feelings so much. But you guys, you as a male, as a whole. Well, I never said that you guys talk about your feelings so much. I never said that. Okay. um, But I'm just, I guess I'm just generalizing what you're saying, which is like you guys have a lot of feelings i was saying like specifically the way that women go about dealing with their feelings maybe in a confrontational standpoint is so different from how men do it not right not wrong yeah but the difference between a man and a woman dealing with conflict and confrontation is just different because we are wired completely differently not because of our genes so it's not a biological thing. It is a cultural thing that we're mm-hmm. wired differently. Yeah, Men absolutely. don't get raised to talk about their emotions. Of course. I, and I know, it. absolutely. And, and that's what I'm saying as far as men need to support each other way more. And even having that conversation and talking about it and realizing that is an issue. Like the first step is always awareness. You know, and I love with with Kendrick Lamar's most recent album, he's starting to talk about stuff that men never have talked about. And that's why it's gotten so much critical acclaim because of the messages 
in what he's pushing is about trauma, men having trauma, men having problems with their father. I am such an advocate for talking about these things, and I've become more and more aware about it. And I wasn't even aware until now. And that's why you see the rise of, you know, someone like Andrew Tate, because no one has, no one's really talking to men. Some, that doesn't take away from all the bad shit he Right, said. it doesn't take away. But if we're talking about why people gravitated towards him, there's an audience for people that are broken. There's men that don't know how to talk to women. You know, they there's the stimulus for a man now that can watch porn, play video games. Men are having less and less sex now more than ever. Well, that's also because women have gotten smarter. Right, that's what I was going to say. And our education levels have increased. Right. And men have not increased or grown at the same rate women have. I believe right now, if you didn't know, Asian females are the highest paid segment of society. Wow. More than white males. Amazing. Because a lot of Asian females are in tech. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so we're the highest paid out of everyone, um, which fucking congratulations like i'm so for it but that puts into perspective men just have not grown at the same rate they've stayed stagnant and back in the days women were stay-at-home moms cooked clean and emotionally took care of everyone in the family well now we're no longer stay-at-home moms but we're still expected to cook clean and be the emotional support for everyone fuck that i might as well stay single i might as well have a baby through ivf and just produce a baby without knowing who the dad is. And you see a lot of single family moms who chose that life. Which is not good because studies show that single parent. But if you're a rich single parent and you choose I think that you need life the yourself, I think you need the balances of a man and a woman though. You need to see the interaction. families? I think you, I'm saying I think you need the balance of femin feminine and masculinity. Whether that be between two men or two women you need to have sort of that balance, I believe. I think we're in a society where we're trying to see what the hell either of those mean. But I think we're also in a because society where we say, no, you don't. What's wrong with just having one? No, you don't. Why Why can't everyone? Why, why do we need it to be this way? And back to what you're saying about women have grown so much. It's been out of a necessity for women to evolve more like, hey, we're, we're tired of this bullshit. Y'all are fucking stupid. Time to level up in, in even the playing field. But the man, like um, your modern day man, what's his? He's had no incentive to evolve. Mm -mm. But now I think this is what I'm saying is the start of the evolution of the man. Thank God. Yeah. It's time. But that's what I'm saying is, but it shouldn't be viewed at us. So that's what I'm. Viewed oh, at what? There's such a negative connotation to the man's development. Right. Like even you're saying it's like it's time, da da da. But nowhere ever would you say that about another race or about something else. And that also is the problem with I men. Say, we, we said that about females 30 years ago when females were finally feeling empowered and doing things. It's about time. Like, what do you mean? It's about time. Men felt the need to grow. I'm just saying men should be given the same sort of equal treatment from a standpoint of needing help in what that looks like but like that's being not sensitive again i'm not saying it is but i'm saying even the way even your energy around the topic is like yeah figure it out it's too late what have you been doing da 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 and i'm saying that that's not a productive way because that makes men feel closed off we're like oh shit i guess we got to fight this battle on our own and we do for sure need to fight it on our own 
but also we need everyone to to start respecting that process as well i think by not closing off and shutting off to these things and understand that there is a healing process and there is a process that maybe is uncomfortable while the man evolves to be what they but need the to thing be is, as a female as a whole you see men fighting against female growth female empowerment I don't see us females doing that with men. This is a situation and a problem you I guys do, have started. I do because the mask, the toxic masculinity, has gone way too far, in my opinion. As far as now, any so you converse- don't believe there is toxic masculinity I do. that is very no, no, unhealthy no, hold for on. society. Hold on, I believe that there is a hundred percent toxic masculinity. What I think is that all forms of masculinity are starting to be grouped into toxic masculinity that's where as a society i feel like we're confused because when something has gone too far in the sense of toxic masculinity now there's such sensitivity towards masculine masculinity in general that everything is deemed as negative when you bring up the term masculinity like it sounds negative even saying masculinity it's like you got to fight for this masculinity but it but really what people are associating just the term masculinity with is toxic masculinity when it's too over over well then on what that is side. your idea of masculinity looking I like? think it's so hard to define because it's hard to even have the conversation but let me let me just say so it. you don't want to define it because it's hard to have a conversation no. or you don't know what it looks like there's a I'm, difference I'm saying that I don't necessarily know what it looks like but I can say what I would like it to be which is bringing it back to the sense of really just fundamentally being someone who's a provider for their family in being a protector of their family. Nowadays, that looks different than it did a hundred years ago where we needed aggression in posturing to do that, to protect our family. Now that looks completely different. And in the nuances of, of that is where I find the most challenging and where we need to make the shift, which is in order to be the protector, you need to be emotionally in tune. You need to be able to talk about your feelings. You need to be able to read your partner. You need to be more sensitive. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think anyone's... See, your idea of a protector isn't what we define as toxic masculinity. Because being in tune with your feminine emotional side is what we want. So that's not what we consider toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity... I'm I'm not saying that is. I'm saying toxic masculinity seems to be, from my perspective, when it's too much testosterone in masculinity and there's a lack of that feminine quality which is being more sensitive which is being more thoughtful which is having being a little bit more in tune with your emotions well i think that's why we've come to an age where we're trying to break down the barriers of even the concept of femininity and masculinity why does pink need to be a feminine color why does blue need to be a masculine color but are those I questions even productive of- like why does that matter i feel like we get hung up on these things that just don't even make a difference but the grand scheme is like so what pink is more of a feminine like look to it maybe that's just from the past of women always using it but do we need to like is that really an important battle to fight like can't things be feminine and masculine? I was trying to draw a parallel to the fact that we're breaking down the barriers of femininity and masculinity, which included colors, which included sharing your feelings, mm-hmm. which includes having a girl be a breadwinner, which includes men fucking cooking and cleaning and taking part in childcare around the house. That's what I'm talking about, is that we're trying to break down 
any type of labels, which includes well, you're pink trying and blue. to say you're trying to say, and that's what I don't th- like. I don't agree with that. Everything needs to be fifty percent equal. I think that women by nature are better at taking care of in raising children. But the problem is, this is the problem, is that men aren't doing enough. Like, for example, why would a woman want to stay home for a man and take care of the kids? Because women have so much dignity. Like in the case of you, right? You're very successful and independent. So it's like, I have to really step up to to expect you to take care of the family and to be a stay-at-home mom. Men need to level up so that a woman wants to be like, I want to take care of the house and the family because you're worth it, because you're doing such a good job of providing for me. But men are not, men have not been good providers. Like, look at the, look at the pool of men. How are they going to show up and, and show that they want to be committed and raise a family and take on responsibility? Like, the modern man doesn't want to do that. The modern man doesn't really want to take on that much responsibility, it feels like. They want as little responsibility as possible. They want to live their 20s being single. They want to, you know, stay in the apartment and play video games with their friends. They don't want to go out and do things to be more responsible. And I'm saying that's the shift we need to make as men. We need to look in the mirror and say, hey, we need to level up and be be better men. We need to support each other. We need to do the hard things, which is talk about our feelings. And we need to be worthy of a woman's feminine qualities to stay home and take care of the family i um i understand what you're trying to say you're trying to say that for a woman to enter her feminine energy a male has to feel like a protector and someone that can give her some sort of security because i won't step into my feminine energy of wanting to be a caretaker unless the male aka my significant other can take care of me in other ways that I need them to so that I can allow myself to relax and be stress-free and be okay with just hanging around with the family. Like you have to make me feel protected financially, emotionally, and feel like this is going to be a teamwork forever for Mm -hmm. me to give up my financial independence to stay at home because I will not give up my financial independence because a lot of stay-at-home moms feel indebted to their husbands and feel like they can't leave because they they never made money in their entire life. So as a female who does make money and a lot of females or a lot of women, I feel, why am I saying females? As a lot of women do today, they make the money and they'll never give it up unless they feel like you're a healthy masculine male who can financially take care of me and emotionally take care of me and still even if I am cooking and cleaning all the time, we'll still chip in and help around the house. It's going to be very, very hard for women to want to give up that financial stability. Yeah. Well, that's my goal, obviously. I mean, we're getting You want me to be a stay-at-home mom? Absolutely. I'm going to step up and I want you to take care of the kids and not work, but have the ability to work if you want and be working if you want. But the freedom to not do that because the importance of raising the family... Like, I think what it needs to be is like, hey, we're a partnership. In my mind, the ideal scenario in what will happen will be, hey, between the two of us, what makes the most sense? Like, who's going to make the most money and who's going to do the best job of raising the kids? That that you think I'll, be do, I'll do a better job raising the kids than you? Yeah. Because I'm a female or because you genuinely think that? Both. <laughs> 
No, but I think women, like I said, are so different than men. We need to stop acting like they're the same. They are not. It's the same reason why people, when they're transgender, they're like, if they're a man and they're like, I feel like a woman. Well, what is that feeling? Clearly, there's a difference between a man and a woman. We've identified that. And I think the things with women in, in what I've learned and what I'm learning and as I continue to commit to being with you and us navigating together, I'm learning more and more about women. And I'm growing as a person because things that I wouldn't think I'm having to stop and think. Mm-hmm. You know, you process things differently than I process things. And you think about things in such a more thorough, thoughtful way than I do. I just kind of like go, 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 like clean it up later. But I think women take their time a little bit more, read the instructions, read the caution labels. I'm like, fuck it, open it, take it, boom. And we were watching that show, Physical 100, which I love that. It's such a good show. Because it really shows when you're putting people in that dire situation of what feels like survival through the obstacles that they set up, you really see people's instinctual nature come out. You see the instinctual nature of men, women. Alpha, beta, like very innate things. And one of the things that really stood out to me was when they were doing this horse setup where you had to pretty much build a bridge. Mm -hmm. You had to carry as much sand over the bridge as you could in the allotted time into like this giant bucket. And two teams are going against each other. And one of the teams that had a woman, she's like, I'm going to set up the bridge. I'm going to take extra time to make sure that the bridges are hinged on at the bottom Took a little bit longer to get the bridge done. Meanwhile, the other team, the men are rushing through. Set it up. It doesn't matter. Just throw it down. Lay it down. And now they're starting to get their sand quicker. But the team that had the woman to lay it down and be more cautious, let me tell you something. The bridge that she put together was so solid that it never moved at all the entire time. Meanwhile, the other team, midway through, their bridge is falling apart. And they're unable to even carry the sand across. Meanwhile, you see the other team running. Mm -hmm. Their bridge isn't even moving. And it was so impressive to see that that, to me, was such a stark difference between men and women. (laughs) And I'm not saying that men aren't thoughtful or don't take the time. But I'm saying that women just see things a little bit differently. They have that nature in them. Let's take our time. Let's take our time. Read the instructions, you know. Um, and in the case of raising children, I think that that's such a valuable quality. Oh yeah. I will definitely be the mom that reads all the books. Like, I don't want to be an almond mom, <laughs> which I don't know if you know what that, that means. Like a super healthy, oh, okay. conscious mm-hmm. mom. Um, either way, I will definitely be the mom that like reads all the books mm-hmm. and does the like cooking and makes even though I'm the better reader, food. better reader. As in like you read books or like better reader as in like physically you can read better. You're better at reading books as far as reading something and comprehending it. I'm better at reading books because I I read, read more books, books yeah. but I meant more like out loud. Oh yeah, I'm terrible at reading out loud. Yeah. The funniest thing is I used to make fun of kids who could not read out loud. Yeah, I think you said this last week. I think we both struggle with it though. You think that I struggle with reading out loud? Yeah. I don't think I do. All right. Well, you'll read this week's I think I'm a good, uh, yeah, let me read it. Okay. I like reading out loud. All right. I used to be bad at reading out loud. Now I feel like I've gotten better at it. So we've had a switch. Overall, I think raising the awareness about it. About what? Raising the awareness about that I think that men are hurting in need to evolve. 
Yeah, I mean, I think men are also afraid to even have people they look up to. Like even you, you like are like, I have no one to look up to. I'm like, there are so many proper men in society that you can look up to. So like, but see, why don't th- this you? is exactly what I'm saying is the tone is that it's, it's all your fault. Like, why, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? But can't you like take that and say that to turn that around? Like, that's what I'm saying is the energy around the conversation of a male needing to approve, improve or needing resources is like automatically met with resistance. And that's why there's so many suicides among men because they don't think they can even talk about their problems. Because I say that to you, like, hey, men struggle with role models and you just completely disagree with it. Because you are also part of the problem. I'm not saying that there's nobody I can look up to. I'm saying men don't really know who to look up to because when I said that, you're like, Obama. And I'm like, I don't, how, how, how is Obama a role model for me? He's in a high achieving great man. He has a lot of qualities that I actually do that look up to. That came from a single family yeah. in, a, in an impoverished town. Like he's a great role model for men. He, he went from being a poor kid with a single white mom, becoming the first black president. That is to the, me, the epitome of a successful role model. But I guess that to me is maybe you have a different definition of what you want as a role model, which is fine. But I'm saying there are men out there that can be role models for other men. Yeah, I'm not saying that there aren't men in society that are worth looking up to because 100% there are. But I'm saying that it is kind of hard to find like a man that you look up to from a professional standpoint that's open about his feelings, that has a very successful Mm. marriage, that talks about relationships. That's kind of the role model that I'm talking about, which is like the role model that I think, because of course I have role models without a doubt, but... Are they the role models that maybe I need to evolve? If we're talking about men evolving, then we need the right role models. We need those people talking about certain things. And it's harder to find that kind of person. Okay. I mean, that makes a lot more sense to me. Which I think is why, like, I think Joe Rogan has such a big platform because I think a lot of men... But does he talk about his emotions? He doesn't necessarily talk about his emotions as much as he comes off as this quote unquote masculine man, right? Like he used to be a fighter. He's buff. He has tattoos. He drinks whiskey, but he also talks about being wrong. He also talks about respect. He okay. also talks about listening to people. Yeah, you he's know, a great listener. He, he, he talks about like doing the right thing. And I think that that's why people look up to him because like, Oh, I can relate to that. Like you can be buff and jacked with tattoos and drink whiskey and smoke cigars, but also, own up to your shit when you're wrong and genuinely talk about doing the right thing. Like it's not that as common as you might think because oftentimes those people that are those masculine quote unquote figures, they're afraid to show that other side. And I think that he has a form of vulnerability that a lot of men don't have. Like he seems to be in touch with his emotions where he doesn't take things super personal. He's able to listen. He's able to be respectful and he's, he's okay with himself. I think that's really what it comes down to. Like you can tell that someone is okay with themselves. And that's you mean just confident in yourself? Yeah, confident, but not in like an overly confident. Alpha. Yeah. You know, they're talking about fanny packs and he's like, fanny packs came back or something. And Joe Rogan's like, I've been wearing a fanny pack since 2000. He's like, people used to clown on me. And I'm like, imagine like, he's like, I can't even imagine like why you would care what someone would think about what you're wearing that you enjoy. 
Like if this fanny pack is valuable and useful for me and I enjoy it, why are you going to make fun of me? And I think that message of like, you should be like having confidence in what you do is such an important thing. Like, Hey, you know what? I do like that. Like, I'm not going to make a decision based on what someone might think. So I think that that's like a healthy mindset to have. Um, I can see. I mean, I'm just thinking about fanny packs. <laughs> I don't know. Which why. they do look really goofy and silly. I don't think I've ever seen you in a fanny pack, but you don't like them. So it makes sense. Yeah, I don't I don't like them. I don't yeah. like having something like on me. I'm so used to just pockets. Getting up and go. Yeah. Yeah. But if I was wanting to like carry stuff or, for example, if I was hiking and I didn't have a backpack, like a fanny pack would probably be the smartest thing a great have. option. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, having good role models as a kid is so, 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 so important. And I think maybe the struggle is as you get older, there's less, you understand the nuances of people. Like people are not perfect. There are like hidden secrets about them. Like yeah. for me, actually, my biggest role model as a kid was Martin Luther King. Yeah. I've written three essays on him, once in fifth grade, once in eighth grade, and once in college. Like he was my role model until... I realized, and he still is a role model, but I did not realize he cheated on his wife and had like a second family. And I didn't learn that even though I'd written- Cruetta, right? Uh, I, I don't remember her, I can't her recall name? her name, but I didn't learn about it till like after college because someone was like, why is he your role model when he did this? And I was like, my mind was blown because you don't read about that in the history books. People don't talk about that, but it is very true. Um, and so as you get older, you just lose your role models because you realize, they're not who they say they are. Either they put up a front, they have a secret agenda, a secret life, something about them. And I think it comes with age is that, you know, you you realize that human life is complex and no one is perfect. Um, and that's, there's a saying in Hollywood that's like, you never want to meet your, your role favorite model. role model in the industry. because or you don't want to meet your idol. Yeah, you don't want to meet your idol because once you meet them, you put them on a pedestal and the second you meet them, you're just disappointed. You're so disappointed. I've been so disappointed by so many quote unquote idols I've met or my friends have met their idols and they're like, that person was so rude to me, so mean to me. And for me, I didn't have typical idols I looked up to. Like I was never impressed by like famous celebrities. It was other YouTubers. They were my role models and they were my idols. Or mm -hmm. I wouldn't say role models, more like idols. And once I met them, I realized they're just normal <laughs> people that are not the nicest and not who I expect them to be. They're um, just good at a skill or they got lucky at a certain time, like yeah. doing something. Not that anyone with like YouTubers for whatever are lucky, but I'm just saying they're no different than you. Maybe they were just had the right timing with things, which is why they're bigger with their platform or whatever. But you find that hey, you're no different than me. Yeah, I mean, this is actually a perfect example. When we were in Hawaii and we were at Coco Head, that restaurant that we weren't able to get a reservation for because they were like overbooked. So I actually had someone come up to me and yeah, I, I remember, remember I was on my phone trying to book an Uber because we literally had no time. Um, we were gonna like miss our like 11 a.m. checkout time at ho our hotel and I was trying to get home and a girl came up to me, tapped me on the shoulder. I was like, hi, Tiffany. And I remember thinking I was so rude to her because like for the first like 10 seconds, I like, like was so like flustered at trying to get an Uber while like talking to her. I was like, fuck, like, am I doing a bad job being who she thought I was being? I remember feeling like that on our way home from our oh, Uber really? being like, fuck, like, I think she's probably gonna like look at this situation and be like, 
she's not who I expected. I actually don't like her anymore. And I, I genuinely felt like so bad. I was like, I hope she didn't think I was rude because I was like saying hi to her baby, but I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to like check that. I got, well, the we Uber. were in a time crunch. Yeah. But like, so I think again, like it, it was a situation where I was like, fuck, like she caught me at a really bad time. I hope she didn't leave being like, I'm never going to watch her videos ever again, which she probably would have said. I mean, I totally understood it because I wasn't giving her my 100% attention. I was like trying to like go on my phone while talking to her at the same time. But I think with meeting people in person, there is something there where if you go up to someone, you can expect to get a hello, but you can't really expect to have a conversation with someone out of nowhere. I mean, they are your, uh, they are a stranger regardless that she's watching your content. I think yeah. you can't stop and talk to everyone and having a, have a meaningful conversation with everyone that wants to because you'd be giving up your time and not respecting your own time. And in that case of that situation, we had to make decisions and leave. Yeah. Maybe there's a better way to be like, hey, oh my God, we're literally in the middle of this. I would love to talk to you. Like shoot me a DM. So nice to see you. Da, da, da. Mm -hmm. But again, you're not like a perfect human. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's where it comes back to is like, you can catch someone on the wrong day and realize like, oh, they're just a person they're as normal. well. Yeah. Which all people are. Yeah. I, I want to just say that if I've ever been rude to you, I'm so sorry. I don't ever, I don't ever mean to be, um, that's not my goal in life ever. I'm not a rude, mean person in general. I, I think I'm a pretty nice person, but, um, I'm sorry if you've ever had a bad interaction with me. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're really good when people stop and want to take pictures. You try to have a conversation because that's something you've told me. And something that I realized early on is that most of the time when people come up to want to take pictures with you, they don't even want to talk to you about anything. They're just like, oh, my God, can I have a picture? And it becomes this like, hey, let me use this as like a content. And I'm sure they're nervous. You in feel the like moment. a product. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you've said. Like you feel like you're just this thing for their photo for them rather than like, a, hey, and I noticed that you always say that, like, what's your name? What do you do? You try to have a meaningful conversation, at least a short one to be like, hey, let me get to know you because you're asking for a picture with me. You're not even saying who you are. You're not saying anything. You're just like, oh, my God, can I get a picture? And then you just run away with the photo. And it's like, I'm a human, too. Like, I would like to know who you are. I didn't realize that until that started happening to me. But when I first got to L.A., I actually met Johnny Depp. I didn't even ask him for a photo. I just stuck a, f a phone in his face and took selfies. And I now that I think about it, it is the most horrendous so, thing I've ever done. I was at a screening of one of his movies. I believe it was like Alice in Wonderland or something. And I was sitting next to a little girl. Like we were all sitting in the theater. And normally when you go to a screening, the actors and actresses come on before the movie shows and kind of talk the crowd and I was sitting next to this little girl who was a huge Johnny Depp fan so he went up to her and said hi to her and while he was saying hi to her I was just like secretly taking selfies and like sticking a, a phone in his face and didn't say one word to him and I look back on it being so embarrassed because I used him as a product mm -hmm. as a thing instead of a human <laughs> yeah like at least say who your name is like be ask, respectful ask yeah. ask for permission yeah I was going to say back to like the man conversation. I do want to close up and say overall, I think it's a conversation that needs to continue to be had. I think it's uncomfortable. It's new. I'm sure it's new for women to even hear mm -hmm. this, these kind of things about men. Um, they almost don't believe it at first. Like men are unhappy or don't know where to turn to. And I think that the best thing, at least 
on the outside for like a woman or anyone else yeah. is just to give them the space to try to listen and understand what they're saying. Because I think the problem with anyone going through something difficult, it becomes so much more difficult when you feel that you don't have a voice that, or you don't have someone listening to you, then it isolates you more. And in the case of so many men committing suicide later on in life, they just have nowhere to turn. They feel like no one really values their problems. They think, Oh, that's your issue. Like get over it. Like this is your fault. Like you should have talked more about your feelings. And again, I say that it's a problem that men need to help each other with. And I think it's uncomfortable, but we need to do that. We need to talk more about our feelings because men don't typically do that. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because I can only imagine what my dad went through growing up. And if you think about the generations, like three generations ago, isn't that far off. But what has happened in society is so incredibly different. Or when my dad was growing up, there was no conversation about his feelings. And when I was growing up, he never talked to me about my feelings. That's what my mom was for. (laughs) (laughs) No, but now I'm having more meaningful conversations about emotions, almost what feels like for the first time with him. And it's taken this long. You told me that. And it's such a beautiful thing. And it's, it's something that we need to get better at. Because when we have kids, I want to show our son that it's, more powerful to talk about your feelings and to be open and to be vulnerable. There's so much power in that. And you're and not it's harder. It's harder. It's always more powerful to do the hard thing. What's easy. It's easy to keep it to yourself, act like everything is okay, but it's hard to be uncomfortable. It's hard to be vulnerable, but there's power, there's beauty, there's strength in that. That's why when you listen to music and you hear an artist opening up, it's so scary to do it if you're the artist, but That's why people resonate with it because they see that being powerful. Wow, maybe I can share how I'm feeling. And I'll say like, even with me and music, I remember I always knew I wanted to do music in my whole life. I started playing guitar early, drums, and then started like producing. Wasn't sure, but I always knew the music was somewhere that I wanted to go. Then I got really good at like rapping. It's always been a skill. But in my head, I was like, I'm not going to be a rapper. Like, what am I going to say? And then when J. Cole put out a project and he was saying things that were so vulnerable in his album, Forest Hills Drive 2014, most people know it. It's one of the best albums ever. He's talking about concepts that I've never heard a rapper talk about, which is loving their mom. What? Like having a whole song dedicated to like loving his mom. He has a song called Love Yours, which is so beautiful. And it's about loving your life. And it's about that no matter what, there's always going to be some there's always going to be a girl that's hotter, there's always going to be someone with more money, there's always going to be something with this, but love what you have because the grass is always greener. Mm-hmm. And there were so many other concepts where he's talking about love in such a vulnerable way where it made me feel like, "Oh wow, like we all have a voice. We all can talk about our feelings, whether it's the relationship with your mom, whether it's a relationship with your friend. There's beautiful art to be made." in that vulnerability of exploring and talking about your emotions. And so that was really eye-opening. And again, that came from someone talking about things that were probably uncomfortable to talk about from a man, especially in rap. I think men have this huge fear that like you're going to open up your feelings and people are going to be like, huh, what a sissy. Which is possible, but that's what we're trying to move away from. What we're trying to move away from that. And you can never control people's reactions. You can only control your own. And so if someone is giving you that, 
most likely that person that's going to put you down from sharing how you're feeling has problems and insecurities within themselves. And that's just being projected onto you. So if everyone, anyone's trying to shut you down or bully you or shun you, that's really coming from a place of their hurt, their insecurity. They could never open up. They're so fearful of themselves. They're not confident in themselves. And they feel if they let anything slip, it's going to ruin the image of themselves. I agree. I agree. I think another conversation I think is so important to have with our future children is drugs. UFOs? No. Drugs. Fentanyl? Yes. If you have kids right now, I need you to talk to your children about drugs, fentanyl, pills, everything. Because right now the DEA is finding fentanyl in vape vape pens. pens. Crazy. That's insane. And it's almost like hard I think to we believe. watched yes. I think we both watched the same video. Well, I watched the video that you sent me. Yes. Which is it only takes two grains of salt worth of fentanyl to die. To become lethal. Yes. Yeah. And you don't know how much liquid fentanyl they're putting in these vape pens and why are they even in vape pens nowadays that's insane and so when you have your children in middle school and high school because let me tell you your middle school high school children are definitely taking a hit from their friends vape pens here and there if their friends are vaping there is a freaking chance of them i think it was saying like marijuana vape pens not your everyday vape pen it was any type of vape pens oh i thought it was because i know it mentioned marijuana so i wouldn't understand why it would not be for example in like a nicotine pen because nicotine isn't supposed to give you like a high like in that sense so my only thought would be why is it in marijuana vape pens maybe it's just a cheap way of giving a high right that would make sense Mm -hmm. but like why would it be in the nicotine ones if that's really happening that would make no sense but i'm not saying that's what's happening i'm just confused i don't know but the da is finding it in vape pens that they did not specify it was in marijuana vape pens or nicotine vape pens yeah it makes more sense to be in marijuana vape pens than nicotine ones but i'm just saying if you're taking a hit from a vape pen you still need to be careful what the hell's in there. And so as of right now, I'd be really scared to be taking any sort of pills. Um, and I've definitely, you know, like as a kid, I was so against doing any sort of drugs. And as I've gotten older, I've become a little more curious just because I've always wanted to try everything once. Um, but now I'd be way more scared to do it at a young age. I think it's important to have a conversation with your kids about drugs. Um, And if you think you know everything your kid is doing, you definitely do not. Because let me tell you, when I was 15, 16, my parents said I was a goody two-shoe and I was definitely doing other things on the side. So have a real conversation about the dangers of drugs because fentanyl is so lethal. But what's the conversation actually look like? Because it doesn't seem as simple as like, hey, kids, don't do drugs. Is it just a more educated topic around doing I mean, the yeah. drugs i mean i think if you just tell your kids the facts about drugs right now there was over a hundred thousand deaths in 2021 for the first time from drug overdoses that is the first time that's ever happened that's the first time over a hundred thousand people have died from a drug overdose so you know it's definitely a epidemic that's happening in the u.s okay that's a fact two it takes the tiniest tiniest amount of fentanyl to be lethal Three, 
Drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. Drugs are great. Drugs are bad. Moderation is great. What are you even saying? You know drugs are bad. I think that's such a blanket, like, archaic statement to say drugs are bad. Like, what drug? Like, is marijuana bad? Is alcohol bad? I, I don't think so. I would say that marijuana is bad for your productivity because I've not met one person who's very productive. Well, on Me. weed. No, I know. Like, overall, marijuana definitely doesn't make you as productive without a doubt. But I'm saying that isn't bad. And also, in the case of alcohol, alcohol... It's not good. Alcohol is not good. But enjoying, but enjoying alcohol in the right setting is great. It relieves some stress. It's fun. It's net positive if used in the right way. Same thing with psychedelics, mushrooms, these kind of experimentations, doing ayahuasca, right? Like we're interested in. Those aren't yeah, bad Yeah, but things. we're doing it as adults. I feel like kids doing and partaking in this thing is not the best thing for them, for their mental capacities, for their gray matter and their brains. Literally like... Doing drugs as a kid is way different than doing it when your brain is fully formed. You're mm -hmm. not doing as much damage to your brain. But either way, it's not even that. It's the fact that you can die at the smallest dose when mm -hmm. your bodies are that much smaller than an adult's. No, I know. And I'm saying, like, what is the actual practical conversation or even strategy with it, right? Because if you tell kids don't do something, kids do it. So if you say, hey, kids, drugs are so bad, the I chances are the kids are going to still do it. It's like, why do kids smoke cigarettes? Like, why did I smoke cigarettes when I was a kid? Because they told me not to. I knew that, that it was so bad. I knew so that So did this, your parents that, ever sit you down and go, hey, here's an honest conversation about nicotine and cigarettes? Yeah, I think so. Your parents actually- My mom always did not approve of it and did not want me to and was always talking to me about the negative- obvious effects of cigarettes and there's nothing as obvious of how bad cigarettes are for you like how many people die a year of cigarettes more than probably a hundred thousand there is no grosser drug than cigarettes yeah and so knowing being a kid and knowing that there's well, like, you how do even, you think is the best way to go about telling your kids don't do drugs i don't think you tell kids don't do drugs because i don't think you want to position it in a way of like don't do this thing so that they have so they feel like they can't talk to you about if they want to do it or if they want to experiment i think there's do a new, the there's house. a nuanced way to get kids if you say hey don't do drugs you're kind of creating a barrier and so now everything feels like it's good or bad but we need to have a scale of what drugs are like, hey, we understand you're going to like experiment and do stuff. It's a part of being an adolescent and growing. And we want you to be safe. Number one, like your safety is the number one priority. So that should always be number one. If you're going to do something bad, be smart and be safe. Like that was my dad's always advice. He's like, look, the shit I was doing when I was 13, I know you're going to be doing some stuff. Don't get caught and don't be stupid. And I think it's more about just not having the conversation about just drugs. It's about raising your child throughout their whole life to understand how to make good decisions and to think for themselves. Because if you raise a child to make good decisions, then the chances of them making a bad decision like one that would be like if a kid was going to try cocaine or crack or heroin, that's super fucked up. Okay, but and the how chances do you have them, this conversation mm -hmm. with a six-year-old? A six-year-old who gets offered a Tylenol from their friend. I don't know. You go, hey. Your friend my mom always said Tylenol, that shit to me. My mom was always like, don't get in the car with strangers. Don't take anything from a stranger. You know, like very dramatic. So I think it's just instilling those really, like instilling core principles into your child. 
Yeah, but I also think it's important to talk about the dangers of using drugs. You don't have to say, don't do drugs. You could be like, hey, if you ever want to try drugs, the basement is wide open. Just let me know so that I can check up on you if you ever want to experiment. But at the same time, also being honest, being like, fentanyl is colorless, tasteless, odorless. It only takes two grains of salt to literally have a lethal overdose. So... Yeah, we can protect them. and I think it's deeper also because if you think about why a kid makes a decision to try drugs. Outside influences. Yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. Like my dad was talking, my dad and I were having a conversation Mm because of how stupid it is that the drinking age in America is 21. Yeah. And he's like, it needs to be like 16 or 18 because you can't have a kid go to war. And then not be able to drink. But also what you're doing by making it 21 is you're creating a prohibition. Like literally a prohibition for underage kids that need to smuggle it. They need to get it all done as soon as possible because, you know, it's like so illegal. Yes. So that's what we were doing when we were in high school. We were like water, like crotching like water bottles full of vodka. And when (laughs) we had a moment, we would be chugging them and be doing it in a very unhealthy way. It felt cool. To do it when you're 16, 17, because the legal age to do it was 21. Versus if the legal age was 18, you'd be doing it with your family at dinner. Because it's like, oh, like. You would learn. Yeah, exactly. You'd learn how to ingest it. You'd learn like the safety of And it's the classic case of, you know, someone who doesn't, someone whose family really didn't allow them the ability to explore. And then they go to college and they have the freedom for the first time. And they, I mean, I have friends. That went wild. That went wild. And it's really negative. It'd be, if, if people don't know how to drink and then all of a sudden they get this freedom, they're going to go balls to the walls. And that is very unhealthy to have that unbalance. And that in that scenario, that's when bad things can happen. You're unprotecting. You're, you're not protecting yourself. You're putting yourself in dangerous situations. You have no experience in how to take care of yourself in those states. And so what my dad also was saying is, There's an age where kids, you're their biggest influence until I think 12 or 14. Then it's the friends that they hang out with become the most influential in their life. And so he was saying how important it is with the friends that you hang around. And that's also where I was going with it is we could spend our whole lives telling our kids not to do drugs. But by the time they get to 12 and 13, they're going to do what their friends are doing because that's what we all do. Right. Like think about you and your friends. Like even if. I and all these people were saying, we're like, hey, let's all get fake tits. You're like, hey, let me get fake tits, right? If the friends are doing it, it becomes so much more attractive. You're the sum of all of the closest five friends to you. Or you're the sum of the five closest people to you. So if your five friends are doing drugs, hey. It becomes normal. It normalizes it. And the last thing I want to say with that is teaching your kid to have enough, teaching our future kid to -hmm. have enough self-respect and have enough morals instilled in them where they aren't going to be so influenced by someone to need to feel to fit in and be cool. And I think that comes from a lot confidence. of self-love. Or I'm sorry, that comes from a lot of yes, confidence, but also getting enough nurturing love and being and having good role models and support around you. Because if you know that the stakes are higher for you, if you have people that care about you, if you've been given enough education, if you don't have that, then what's the downside of trying drugs? Like whatever, like no one's looking out for me anyways. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's really true. So I think it's more about setting your kid up for success in so many other ways other than 
just having the conversation. And a lot of it has to do with being influenced. So being secure in yourself is the number one important thing. Also, let me just say, we are not parents yet. There is no golden rule of parenting. Yeah, we could say all this. We could say all this and our child could grow up being the opposite of what we're talking about right now. Unconfident, doing drugs. You know what? There is no... No guarantees in parenting. Well, that's the scariest part about having kids is you could do all the right things and still end up with a crackhead who's on the street. Exactly. The chances are a lot lower, but kids will do what kids will do. It's like it's like a mystery jelly bean. Which one? Which one <laughs> are we eating today? <laughs> or minting an NFT. Yeah. Which we, one are we getting? getting? Could be anything. Um. And speaking of NFTs, we haven't talked about that. We have our first in real life event, March 21st right i know is that that's next week that's next week oh wow literally a few days from this it's a week it's a tuesday march 22nd march oh, 22nd okay. um next week week from today from when we're filming this yeah so uh if you own a runaways of the Neverworld, come hang out if you're in la it's during nft la uh, we'd love to meet up with you, see you, hang out with you, talk to you, touch you, um, have zero expectations of who we are. We don't want to disappoint you. We are not idols. Um, but if you're in around LA, we'll leave some information down below so that you guys can come and hang out with us. It would be so fun to meet some of our rotten holders. Um, so if you hold an NFT, go hang out with us if you're in LA. Also, if you want to buy one of our NFTs, you can go to OpenSea.io so that you can attend our event. And I believe our NFTs right now are like- Not too expensive. Not too expensive, like 10, 15 bucks. So yeah, go go uh, hang out with us if you can. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. Woo-hee! So it's time for Am I Rotten? And I'm very excited to read this week. It's my first time reading yeah, it, Yeah, right? you yeah. said you're a better reader, so I'm more than happy to give you this job. Oh, the rest of the now rotten the pressure is on. eggs. <laughs> okay. I first want to start off by saying that we got a follow-up from last week. We did. She submitted, so I'm excited to read what she had. I think it's a good like, Should we start off with that one or recap. do the rotten egg? Yeah, let's, let's close that one, and then we'll open up another one. All right, let's do it. So in last week's rotten egg segment, a girl had been dating a man, for a few months now, and the guy ended up telling her that she was the other woman in his relationship, and he was in a six-month-long relationship with another girl, but it was failing. So the girl ended up cutting things off with the guy right away, found the other girl on Instagram, DM'd her, and we were never able to hear if the girl responded or not. Yeah, because we said she was she was asking, am I rotten for reaching out to his girlfriend? Yes. And we were saying no, because that's the right thing to do. You're letting her know. But we did have questions as far as what was her intention? Was it to get back at the guy and be like, fuck you? Or was it genuinely just trying to be helpful? Because that's what maybe you would want if yeah. the roles were reversed. Even if it was with bad intentions, I don't give a shit. You should tell the other person. Yeah. The other person has a right to know. Yeah, I agree. So anyways, the follow-up was, my intentions weren't to hurt anyone, even though I was hurt and frustrated of the situation. Just hope someone would do it for me if the roles were reversed. She messaged and called me on Instagram and wanted more Ooh, details. They talked. She proceeded to yell at me. No. And started to cry, then proceeded to say thank you and that she was going to speak with him because she had a feeling all this time that he wasn't being honest to her. She was very upset, rightfully so, but I said my piece and wished her the best. It makes sense. If someone told you that, maybe Yelling your first response you? would be like, well, fuck you. And then you kind of like come back to reality. 
after the shock and you're like, you know what? Thank you for telling me. The first person that I yell at is the fucking boyfriend, mm -hmm. not the girl who's being honest with me and straight up. But you can't exactly exactly like you said earlier, you can't control other people's reactions, just your own. Yeah. So I, I, I love getting the follow up and getting a little bit more. Yeah. I'm glad that they were able to talk and she was able to help her. And her intention was to, hey, if the roles were reversed, I'd want someone letting me know because I wouldn't want to be dating someone that was because it sounds like he never told the girl. He didn't right? tell like the girl. He didn't tell the other one. So that's why she was so upset. So I'm glad. Well, <sighs> thank you for setting yeah, that Thank in. you for resubmitting. I love when you guys do that. And so for this week's Am I Rotten? Let's get All into right. it. Am I rotten for pushing my husband to close a credit card that he started with his ex? Weird. My husband and his ex signed up for a credit card for a jewelry store so that he could get a higher credit line. When they broke up, they never took their name off the card. And to this day, it still exists. It's my husband's oldest credit card. And if he closes it, his credit score goes down. Oh. He says that his ex probably never uses the card and forgot about it. So keeping it doesn't hurt because he doesn't want to hurt his credit score. I think his ex wouldn't pass on the opportunity on using the card and take her name off of it to leave the bill on us because she is pretty much a gold digger and money hungry. Although I admit she's not the smartest person out there. We called the company to get her off the account, but they said we have to ask her to take herself off of it. The only thing is that we don't want to contact her to make her realize that the card exists because we're not sure if she knows it exists or not. So the only real option is to have my husband take his name off the account, which I'm trying to convince him is the right thing to do. Am I rotten? I have so many fucking things to say about this. One, why would the other girlfriend not know she has a credit card in her account? Two, if this girl was a gold digger, why would he need her on the credit line for him to get a higher credit so she must have a higher credit score than him because it makes no other sense the other way around so like is this guy lying why would he be what would he be lying about as for the reason why he wants to keep this credit line open well why do you think he wants to keep it open well one it does help his credit score but two i almost think he secretly opened it without the girl's knowledge because his why else current would girlfriend no, his ex-girlfriend. Oh. That's why he doesn't want to close it. That's why he doesn't want to reach out to her. That's why he doesn't want her to know about it. Because she wouldn't know about it. There is no way you can open a credit card without the other girl knowing about it unless you have her social security information, you have her name. Which is why she, he didn't open it without her consent. I don't think he opened it with her consent. No, I'm saying how would that make sense? You just proved the point that it would be really All hard to do that. All he needs is her social security information, which if we were living together, I could probably find your social security card somewhere. But why else would you not want to contact her letting her know? Because if you read it again, okay. read it again. Does it not say they don't want her to know about the credit card? Well, she already knows about the credit card if she was involved in opening the credit card, right? The only reason There's they don't a want to contact her. chance she forgot her. about it. Is the fear that you let her know that the card exists and then she goes and uses it and then you guys are left. But wouldn't you both be liable on the card if it's in both of your names? So it's not, not like she, she can took her name off. Okay. But, it, but she's saying that the name is still on there. So mm -hmm. that's where I'm confused because if you're letting her know that the card exists, but you're afraid to in fear that she'll be like, oh, wait, I have that card. Let me use it and they can just pay for it. But she's also at risk if she doesn't pay that her credit will be affected. They're afraid she'll use the card 
Then call up the bank, tell her to get off of the card while oh, it's still not saying. fully paid. Gotcha. <laughs> Perfect example. You're better at reading out loud. I'm better at comprehending things. <laughs> that's true. But I think you're reading it so different than I would. But that's fine. That's your their opinion. I don't think that the guy is like hiding some information or opened it not on her behalf. I think that he's probably hesitant because he's like, why does it matter? Like she's not using it. Yeah. It's good for my credit. And also that's like, no one wants to like spark up a conversation with their ex. True. And nobody also wants to be forced into sparking up a conversation with their ex by their current partner. Well, so do you think she's a rotten egg for asking for this or no? I, I mean, if I was to if I was to have an, a credit card open with my ex and you were planning on getting married with me, would you still want me to have a credit card with my ex? Oh, yeah. I would want you to Yeah, I, want you I don't to close think she's it. rotten for wanting that. But I also understand why he doesn't want to close it. Yeah. Either way, one, never, ever, 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 ever open a credit card at a Target, at a Best Buy, at a jewelry store, at a Victoria's Secret, even when they ask you, you want to open a credit card, you'll save 20%. Do not ever fucking do that. Let it. Let me be clear. That is the worst financial decision you can ever freaking make. Why? Don't do it. One, they run your credit. Two, the limits are never- Let's say you need the never, card though. Yeah, usually they're not the giving you the best shit. benefits. There's no way. Also, every credit card opening stays on your credit score and dings you for, I believe, two years. Also, one, it's you, you don't remember about it. I don't know how many times- my sisters included, have opened credit cards and they completely forgot they have a Victoria's Secret credit card opened. Like my identity got stolen and so people were opening, and you know this. Yes. Uh, people were opening like utilities in my name and I had no idea until I got a debt collecting bill from saying I didn't pay a T-Mobile account and you don't even for have $700. And I go, I call the creditor. I go, hey, I don't even have T-Mobile. They go, take that up with T-Mobile. We're just collecting the debt. Yeah. I call T-Mobile. I go, hey, they're like, what's the account number? I go, I have no idea. They go, what's the phone number in the account? And I go, I have no idea. I didn't open it. And they're like, okay, well, we can't look into your information over the phone. You have to come in person. And I'm like, that's bullshit that someone was able to open an account over the phone, but you can't access it without that information. So regardless, long story short, it took me on this whole journey of repairing my credit. And I learned throughout that process how valuable it is to look at your credit. Mm -hmm. One thing I would recommend for anyone to do is, I don't know how good credit karma is, but check your credit karma. It's pretty um, accurate. And like, for example, what I use is TransUnion Credit Monitoring. It's $9.99 a month, $10. It gives you direct access to your TransUnion credit report which is very accurate because it's them and so you're automatically going to get dinged notified if there's an account opened if there's any you can put a fraud alert on there so that you have to like two-factor pretty much opening up anything so it really kind of gives you and restores the power of your credit by being in tune and seeing what's on there and not so i learned through that process look at your freaking credit you should know exactly what cards you have Yes. And there should not be anything that you don't know about on there. And if there is something, you need to get to the bottom of it. Because what happens is that if you don't do this preliminary work and you want to get a car or buy a house and all of a sudden they run your credit and they go, hey, your credit's actually not good. And you go, why? And you look at and you see all these things that weren't taken care of. It's one of those things where credit is, you need credit when you need it. You need your credit to be good when you need your credit to be good. Car loans, house loan. Pretty, pretty much. much. <laughs> yeah. Business loan. 
if you if you want to start a business. Uh, it, is credit score overrated? No. Hell no. It is a uh, f- determining factor in your reliability as a person. That's true. Yeah. What is um, your credit score, do you think? I got into like the good range finally. So it's like over 730 or 750. Finally. Oh, I guess I'm at 817. Well, you're like a golden you're like the golden egg, the golden goose of credit. Cuz I've I've learned at a very young age how to have good credit. Which no one fucking teaches you. <laughs> pay all your payments on time, credit card payments on time. Actually pay it twice in a month. Do an extra payment cuz it increases the number of payments you've ever made. So if you accidentally forget, mm-hmm. then the total has doubled. So it's mm-hmm. only one out of like 100 versus 50 payments. Yeah. Um, and you can see on there what impacts your credit the most. That's valuable to know. It's how on much. Time, on time payments, open, open accounts, delinquencies are huge. Ratio of debt to credit line. So always yeah. have it at less than 10% every single month. So anyways, back to it. Everyone, check your credit. If you need to get a credit monitoring service, it would be really helpful, yes. you, helpful for you. To get on top of it, something you want to be proactive about. And I didn't learn about that until I was in my later 20s. And when I needed credit the most, I didn't have it. And so it was shitty. But Other shitty things to never, ever do. Never, ever co-sign for someone else. Dumbest thing you can do. Shout out to my sister for co-signing on my car. Yeah. My credit was like 600. Yeah. And I was like, I have money. I'm making money. But my credit's, yeah. Yeah. Don't fucking do it. Just don't do it. Even if you think you trust them, don't fucking do it. I'm happy your sister did it for you, but don't fucking Three do it. Three years of on time, every single payment. Thank God. Auto pay. Just Thank God. You are the poster child yeah. of co-signees, but still want to do it. And two, never open a credit card with someone else. Yeah. Unless you're married with them and it's going to directly impact yeah, you. Yeah. That's the only scenario. But a girlfriend for a, I almost feel like he opened a credit line for an engagement ring or why would why would they open a credit line at a jewelry store? I think we need a follow up. We need a follow up. <laughs> we need to understand she the context. She is not a rotten egg. You're not a rotten egg for wanting to close it. I think it's a weird thing if you're trying to build a life with someone and there's like this they have like credit that's like government documented. Mhm. You know, you're trying to get a house at one point and then you find out that she ran the credit up. You don't want someone get it like you don't want someone to have the ability to affect your life like that. Yeah, that's what I think it comes down to. That's my stance is that I would definitely. Yeah, you can kind of like, you know, be floating around being like, oh, let's let not let her know. But like, no, be proactive. Don't let anyone into your life to affect you from a standpoint like that, from a financial standpoint. No way. Mm-hmm. Finances are non-emotional. And so don't make an emotional decision about this one. Be logical and call her and get her off the account and close it. Yeah. Your credit is not going to be affected that much by closing it. And after a certain amount of time, your credit will restore itself. Yeah. And if you're if you take good practice if you have good practices with your credit and finances, you won't be affected that much. I think the only thing he might maybe don't do it if you are planning on buying a house like in the next year. All right. Have her on the line on your credit card line for another year. Get your house. And then after you literally close on that house, just cancel that credit card. That is the only scenario I could think of where he might be the rotten one to keep it. Maybe he's a little rotten for like not getting on top of this. 
And not rotten in like a... Actual rotten, yeah. It's like kind of like when something's in your fridge and you don't know that it's like spoiling back there and it's kind of spoiling over time. He's kind of like that. Like it, you didn't mean to leave it in the fridge. I think this is a very unhealthy long-term yes. thing to have because it's yeah. going to affect the girlfriend, the new mm-hmm. current girlfriend if they end up getting married. Mm-hmm. So you don't want, and you don't want your partner, and this is something it's also. It's literally it's baggage. baggage. You don't want your partner also retrospectively looking back at how you handled an important financial situation. And this could be one of those that maybe it comes back to bite him in the future. If this is an example of maybe something else that he does with him not properly taking care of his finances. This is like a red flag to me almost that he has this. You know, I don't see it as a red flag. I think a lot of people with and we talk about this a lot are uncomfortable talking about finances finances and even facing it. It's sometimes it is uncomfortable. Look at your account, look at your bills, look at the credit. Like it is tough. So I empathize and understand that feeling. And so I could see where they're both like, you know what? Like, let's not deal with it. Like, I don't want to really crack it open, but that doesn't mean that it's not the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to do the thing that's uncomfortable that you know is the right thing to do, which is get in touch with her, close that shit. Yeah. Don't just expect that the card is like fallen through the crack of her nightstand because one day she'll find it. Yeah. Or if she ever checks her own credit, she'll be like, wait, wait, wait. this credit card is still open. If she ever buys a house, she's going to look through her credit score and and see what's affecting it. And she's going to see, oh, like, wow, this was like 10 years ago. I opened this credit card with my ex. Mm -hmm. And also the person who submitted this said she's not that smart. So you wouldn't want someone not that smart quote unquote, having the ability to affect your financial the status. The most dangerous people are dumb people. <laughs> yeah. Especially when it comes to your credit. Like, she's no, not going to think about someone... the consequences. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely not. Aside from the credit, what's the downside, right? Like maybe make the short-term sacrifice for a way safer long-term, long-term decision. hundred Always. You always got to do that. A hundred percent. Well, guys, if you guys like our Rotten segments, make sure you can keep it alive by submitting your own Rotten responses. I love reading them, um, and we'll have the Google form down below for you guys. But thank you guys for listening. We love you guys. Make sure to subscribe, like, comment, rate the podcast. We appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. Bye, guys.